Hello. Hey, hi, hello. What's going on? Nothing. I am trying to put a cap back on my water bottle with one hand. How about you? I thought you said you're trying to put a cat on your water bottle, and I was like, oh, that's weird. No, not yet. I'm I'm sticking to just ships in a bottle for now, but okay. ultimately I should be able to put my cat in a bottle once Squish I've mastered that, that art. Yes. Our newest that's segment, Squish That Cat. Oh, that too. And the video. Yeah, it's a video of this this guy online uh, telling you how to properly pick up a cat, and then he uh, tells you if your cat's trying to get away or you, you just need to like wrangle that cat for a second you squish that cat it's fantastic which i do anyway highly recommend i just torture my cats yeah Peter's gonna come for me yep that's the way i see it they deserve it they deserve my love and that's what it is it's me giving them my love it's fine so this may come as a surprise to you but this podcast is not about cats no it's not it is not it's and we're not going to do don't fuck with cats. I'm not. I'm not. Not yet. We'll see. It's on the it's on the schedule. Yeah, we'll see. Spoiler alert. Yeah, we'll see. Maybe I'll get sick that day. Um, I think that episode will be me talking about don't fuck with cats at you. Oh, that will 100% be if it happens. <laughs> that will be what happens because I'm not watching that series. I love my cats too much and I get very upset over these things. I can't even watch Homeward Bound or Beethoven or Benji or Zeus and Roxanne or Free Willy or like any of the other Dolphin Tail. None of it. It all makes me really fucking emotional and I can't do it. Yet we have like 111 episodes talking about like murder, m- brutal murders of people. Yes. However, scores of people, kids, people with special needs and cats. Those are my those are my no no's. But I can watch the ki- I can't watch people with special needs getting hurt in any way or shape or form either. I mean, but, yeah, that's fucking horrible. Well, yeah, no, but you know what I mean. Like, yeah, kids, it's like, OK, I can suspend my belief, I guess. I can be like, OK, that's not actually happening. I can't do that with the cats. I can't do that with the with the with the they humans. Don't know what's happening. With, I think that's the thing. That's probably what the thing is. Yeah, I don't really know. It could also be that I'm messed up. By the way, this is crime culture. And speaking of being messed up, my name's Caitlin. And we messed up this intro. (laughs) It's all right. We're just a mess today. Chatting away. The people who don't like banter are screaming right now. So I think we might want to get into it. It's it's like less than five minutes of banter. Hold your horses. I don't know. Uh, We want to do our Patreon shout outs for the month. Yes, we do. Go for it. What names we got? I don't know. You didn't send them to me. Oh, no. (laughs) Let's banter for a little while while I pull up the Patreon names. Why don't you talk about the... Um, you want me to riff? No, the thing that we got on Instagram today. <laughs> oh, yeah. So at the time we're recording this, we're recording this early um, because I am shooting a web series this weekend. And we- I'm going to be in an undisclosed location yes i well i didn't want to say that you weren't going to be home because now people are going to be like oh if she's not home maybe she's still not home and try to break in and that's how you get taken and liam neeson ain't gonna save you he's retired oh actually i'm gonna be on the flight back by the time this airs so i can tell everyone that i was in austin texas okay if you see her say something if you see something say something something. (laughs) yes just say something just Yell something across the street. But yes. Yell! <laughs> okay. Um, so, yes. So, we got a... I, I, I don't even know... I, it, stunning is the only word that really comes Beautiful. to mind. Flawless. Yes. If you didn't see it... So, Book of Lies, which is at Book of Lies podcast, I believe, yes, sent us... Tagged us in their story, and they have choreographed a dance... To our I'm theme done. song, which, yeah. anyways, how's your sex life? Another podcast, and they're at anyways, how's your sex life? Mm-hmm. They say it's totally twerkable. Book of Lies has gone on to prove that, and I just need to say, ladies, oh my god, it's beautiful. It, it made, made my, my day. day. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> it's the best thing that I've seen all day. And yeah, I'm obsessed with it. It'll be in if you go on our Instagram and like the first little highlight that's there. That's uh, listener love. Yes. Go in that. There's a bunch of people oh, that have uh, put it in there. talked about like the, the theme song and everything. Obviously, we have the best theme song totally in uh, 
yeah in podcasting right now and if you need a theme song go to at adequate audio and that is who did our theme song and i'm trying to find out it's adequate dot audio and you can slide into their dms just slide very platonically because he's my boyfriend Mm -hmm. and you can ask him to make you one too for the low low price of whatever he charges i don't know i paid him in kisses yeah very nice yes that's what you're supposed to do all right technical difficulties are over yep so without any further ado here are Mm -hmm. our patreon patrons of the month of february (gasps) camilla davis yeah mckenna lawson yeah sin turtle yeah shannon von munster love it and janie hotstetter hostetter hostetter i started to say hotstetter she is from the small small thumbnail i can see she and her partner are very hot yeah from the small thumbnail i can see they've got that that like poor blurring primer and it just works all over their faces I can't see shit. So those are our Patreon patrons. Yes! And you can join our Patreon, too. We're doing all the plugs up at the top. Yep. Join the Patreon. It's Crime Culture Podcast on Patreon. If you can't find it, DM us on any of our social media, and we will send you a link personally. Oh. Yes. That's a deal. It is. To quote Macklemore, that's a hell of a deal. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, so hopefully... After this episode, maybe you'll think that we've earned a subscribe or a Patreon membership thing or whatever that is. I don't know what to call it. Yeah, or whatever, like a follow on the socials, what have you. But hopefully we do not disappoint. Yeah. And without further ado, we shall jump in. And I... Thank you for listening in advance. Okay, <laughs> now let's go. Uh, if you've seen the title of the episode, which I don't know if Caitlin has yet. So I this have might not. be a surprise. We're talking about uh, a couple things in the same vein. So we're talking about the Netflix docuseries uh, Dark Tourist, as well as the phenomenon of dark tourism itself. I- so I'll talk about what it is. I'll talk about the show, places that... Um, are featured on the show and places that can possibly come up in future seasons or if you want to do your own dark tourism places that you can consider so jumping into it i just want to say really quick i had a heart attack Mm -hmm. when you said the netflix documentary or special or whatever it was you said netflix and i went oh my god she fucking sniped me with don't fuck with cats, didn't she? Because I don't like to look at what your episodes are so that I can be surprised. Well, a little <laughs> insider info. I was going to talk about don't fuck with cats, but um, I rewatched Dark Taurus recently and I was like, the show's so fucking good. And I feel like not a lot of people know it yet. Because, oh, well. um, I know it because I'll get you into love it. it. Yes, I Kaylin, love it. You talk but, to me about it all the time. Yeah, it's so good. So I'll get into why I think people like are sleeping on this. But like, first, I'm going to talk about what dark tourism is. Okay. So it's also referred to as black tourism or grief tourism. And it's defined as tourism involving traveling to places historically associated with death or tragedy. And more recently, it's suggested that the concept should also include reasons tourists visit the site since the site uh, attributes alone may not be like a dark tourist site it's kind of hard to describe without giving examples so i'm going to be giving examples in a little bit but the main attraction to dark locations is their historical value rather than their associations with death and suffering obviously no one wants to go to a location just because a lot of people may have died at that site that's kind of a terrible reason to visit something it's kind of it's kind of the same fascination that would draw you to listening to true crime things or reading about true crime things. Cause you want to know about the psychology almost of it and the historical facts about it. So that's kind of the main draw of dark tourism. Um, travel writers were the first to describe their tourism to deadly, pa- to deadly places. 
P.J. O'Rourke called his travel to Warsaw and Belfast in 1988 holidays in hell. And Chris Rojek uh, talked about black spot tourism in 1993, and he referred to it as milking the macabre. Ooh, I like academic that. Atten- right? We love that, some alliteration. That's a good phrase. Um, academic attention on the subject originated in Glasgow, Scotland. Uh, the term dark tourism was coined in 1996 by Lennon and Foley, who are two faculty members of the Department of Hospitality, Tourism, and Leisure Management at Glasgow uh, Caledonian University, I think is what it is. Um, as of 2014, there have been many studies on definitions, labels, and subcategorations, such as Holocaust tourism and slavery heritage tourism. And the term continues to be molded outside of academia by authors of travel literature. And there's very little empirical research on the perspective of dark tourism. So, I mean, it only got its term defined in 1996. So it's, it's pretty new that this is coming about. Um, moving on to the show, Dark Tourist, it's a travel and culture docuseries, and it premiered its eight-episode first season on Netflix on July 20th, 2018. That's in the United States. I don't know about internationally, um, but it's rated TVMA, and I think a lot of people might not know what it is because it's not listed under the true crime documentary section of Netflix. I think it's on like the social documentaries or travel or, or something else. It's not where if like you were thinking about watching a true crime series, you would go to that one section and like all those documentaries would be there. This is kind of off the beaten path a little bit, but still worth your time if you're interested in any of the topics we talk about on this show. So the description given by Netflix says, quote, most tourists like to visit popular sites and attractions like beaches, stadiums, and museums while on vacation. There is a subset of tourism, however, that involves visiting places that are historically associated with death and tragedy. Journalist David Farrier focuses on this area of travel known as dark tourism in this docuseries. In each episode, Farrier travels to a different locale to visit destinations that have experiences that wouldn't be on most vacationers' bucket lists. He embeds himself in a death-worshipping cult in Mexico, sees tourists soaking up radiation left behind in Fukushima, visits vampires in New Orleans and travels to the most nuked place on Earth for atomic swimming and fishing. What about werewolves in London? Maybe in a future season. Oh, ooh. We'll see. Werewolves in London. The docuseries as a whole has a 70% on the Rotten Tomatoes tomato meter, and also a 70% audience score. It has a 94% on Google, and a 7.6 out of 10 on IMDb. Um, The show received kind of a bag of mixed responses. Um, Some consider Farrier's efforts commendable, especially for bringing something exciting to the genre of travel documentaries. Um, There were others who didn't like him for furthering the cause of dark tourism because I like, because it's so new, I feel like it's kind of misunderstood that people are kind of like looking for grief. Um, So the ethical bounds of going such places, especially for pleasure, like I said, is, is not considered very exciting to everybody. Um, There's also the critique for the show not having uh, brought anything revolutionary or groundbreaking through its work. Like it's kind of just, some people think it's kind of just like run of the mill, like travel documentary. They're showing you a place and that's pretty much it. Mm. But the critics consensus on Rotten Tomatoes says, quote, host David Ferrier's empathetic curiosity keeps dark tourism from feeling too expensive expletive um though shallow observations about its macabre destinations often leave something to be desired end quote a positive review from neil justin at the minneapolis star tribune says quote a compelling new docuseries aimed at those who like their vacations with an element of risk farrier is a plucky host but he's not afraid to tell the viewers when he senses he's made a terrible error in judgment end quote but there's also a negative review. Sophie Gilbert from The Atlantic says, quote, it seeks out places and people who are bizarre, unusual, or just downright tacky, and it urges you to recoil at them, end quote. Uh, I didn't see the series that way. If you've seen the series, um, p- 
please give your response in any of our social media if you want to talk about it. Yeah. But I in, I enjoyed David Ferrier. I'll talk about him in a second and who he is and why he's the host of this. But uh, it just seemed like a kind of fish out of water type thing. Like if I was dropped into any of these situations, I think I would respond similar to him because this doesn't seem like it's his uh wheelhouse like yeah really looking for true crime right like if it was if it was somebody who was like a true crime researcher or someone who was like super super into the genre and like ready to go out like he talks to people who are at some of these places that he's visiting that are a lot more comfortable uh doing this experience but i think just because of the fact that he's kind of just plopped into these situations that um it's kind of funny to see his responses to things yeah have you seen it i have not though i will say that whenever you talk about it it's on my list it's just very backed up my list i know the list the, the list, list gets very long the list gets very long um as bo burnham would say the list of all the sluts i've missed um mm. But yeah, I will say that when you talk to me about it, I do picture that guy from Vice TV who tries all the drugs. He has, yeah. he has that series that tries drugs. I mm -hmm. That's who I picture because it seems like right up that kind of alley. I'm actually a little surprised that Vice does not have a stake in this show. Um, I, I know I sound yeah, like a I huge stoner when I say that. I'm not. I just... There was a lot of vice on one summer and I watched a lot of vice. I don't know why. Right. But no. yeah. No problems there. <laughs> no judgment. No judgment. No judgment. All God's children. Yeah. Um All Satan's kids. So <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> so uh getting into the host, David Farrier, he is a New Zealand journalist and his reporting frequently appeared on Three News, and he was New Zealand's Nightline's entertainment reporter from 2006 until the program ended in 2013. And something that might be interesting to our listeners, from 2013 to 2017, he co-hosted a cryptozoology-focused podcast called The Cryptid Factor Ooh. with comedians Reese Darby and producer uh, Leon Buttons Kirkbeck. Um, and I checked, and these episodes can be found on Spotify. I didn't check iTunes and like all the other places, but go to where you listen to any of your podcasts and type in the cryptid factor and see if you see it. But it's definitely on Spotify. Uh, in early 2014, Farrier, in collaboration with Dylan Reeve, began production on a full-length documentary that some of you may have heard of. It kind of got some uh, press when it first came out. It's called Tickled. Nope. And uh, I, Sorry. Think, I, I think someone in our group chat was talking about it. So that's why I remembered it as soon as I heard it. That would make sense. Um, the project began when Farrier sought out to do a light entertainment piece about videos said to depict competitive endurance tickling. Oh, which obviously you got to make a documentary about that. That's fucking wild. Oh, my. Um, but his inquiry to Jane O'Brien Media, the video's producer, was met with hostile refusal to talk with him, prompting Ferrier and Reeves to investigate further. And the film relates their efforts to find out more about the people involved in making the videos. The film premiered in January 2016 at the Sundance Film Festival and received both critical praise and threats of litigation from individuals appearing in it. Uh, it was acquired by Magnolia Pictures and HBO and released to cinemas in 2016 in June. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I haven't seen it. I just remember uh, people talking about it on the like the periphery. So it's, apparently HBO bought it. So I'm going to look for it that on makes HBO. Sense. That sounds like the shit HBO would buy. Right? It sounds pretty wild. Um. So I'm not going to get into like exact details of what happens in each episode because I want you to watch the the series because it's very, very good. But I'll just kind of like lay out some bullet points of like where he goes and what he sees. Okay. Uh, I am going to butcher names of uh, cities because that's just who I am. That's what we do. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, he kind of goes to different, like each episode is, um, the name of like a region. Like there's the United States, Latin America, Southeast Asia, Africa, 
all these different places, and he goes to different cities within that region. So in one episode is Latin America, and he goes to Medellin, Colombia. Sure. I definitely butchered it. Um, that's where he investigates the legacy of Pablo Escobar, and he even hangs out with Escobar's former hitman, Popeye. Oh, shit. So, yeah, someone really close to him. Did they have spinach? Um, no. What? They did not. That's bullshit. But he, but he had a gun. And it oh, was that's almost wild. like spinach. <laughs> he, he eats the spinach to stay strong and protect himself. And yep. having a gun cuts out the middleman. Cuts yeah. out the spinach man. <laughs> um, he also, in that episode, goes to Mexico City, obviously in Mexico. And he meets the followers of Santa Muerte and witnesses an exorcism. Uh, and then he goes to do a mock illegal border crossing into the U.S. Apparently they have oh, shit. like tours that you can do this, that you can try to illegally cross the border. Don't don't talk about this, because then you know what's going to happen is ICE is going to fucking go on like a company retreat to Mexico and they're going to take one of these trips so that they can figure out how to keep out all of the people because god forbid somebody who's not white come into the country and it's it looks fucking rough as hell and well it's not a picnic i know exactly they have to drink their own piss yeah it sucks yes (laughs) but anyway watch the episode to see what happens there wasn't a single Um, hotel on the entire route no not at all we had to sleep Sleep on the ground Um, a rock was my pillow are you talking about something that happened in a different life maybe maybe i (laughs) crossed the border and a border in a different life but as far as i know i have not it's the canadian border no no it's not it's not and you can't just walk through i know this because i went on the class trip from hell to canada and we were not allowed to just walk through. We had to get off the goddamn fucking bus at like two in the morning because the fucking Mounties thought that we had drugs on us. And the fruit best part was I didn't even get to pet a dog. And there were so many drug dogs and none of them caught any of the stoners who brought much, 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 much weed into Canada. Yeah, sometimes... You gotta do it just to get through, you know? I know, but I just wanted to pet a dog, man. Instead, I got, Sorry. like, the sickest I've ever been. Happens. It does. It wasn't a border crossing into the United States from Mexico, though. It was not. It was, I will say, it was, all things considered, in retrospect, an easier trip, probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, much easier. The The party bus leads me to believe... <laughs> That it was probably an easier trip. Anyway. <laughs> in two of the episodes, he goes to different parts of the United States. So I'm just mashing them all up into one. So he goes to Milwaukee, Wisconsin to learn about Jeffrey Dahmer by taking a tour to some of the locations where uh, Dahmer's murders, like where he met the guys before murdering them. Um, he also goes to Dallas, Texas and goes to two very different tours regarding the assassination of JFK. Um, like I said in the synopsis, he goes to New Orleans and spends time with some real-life vampires. He goes to your home, Los Angeles, California, and goes on a home. tour of the Manson family murders Ooh. and actually meets up with friends of Manson. Ooh. Yeah. <gasps> Did he meet up with the Beach Boys? No. That's my new favorite fun fact, by the way, is that Charles Manson that hung out with the Beach Boys. He was friends? Yeah. Yeah. That's like that's he they jammed. They jammed together. Like Ooh. low key. He stayed in what's his face's house. I don't have my notes in front of me from that episode, but <laughs> I love to tell that story to like people when they're like, Oh, the music I listen to, I like the Beach Boys. Fact. No, not mm. even. It's like oh, you like the Beach Boys? Did you know they were friends with Charles Manson? <laughs> yeah. I ruined parties. It's not a cocktail <laughs> it's not a cocktail fact or whatever you said. It's 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 a party ruiner. It's a party foul. It's good. Yeah. Just bring up murders. Love that journey for me. <laughs> well, he's technically not a murderer. Blah, blah, blah. Whatever. Okay. Anyway. So then he goes to Kentucky and he visits a full scale replica of Noah's Ark. Um, and then goes down to Virginia and meets with um 
like end of the world preppers, which is like my favorite genre of people because they're wild. <laughs> I just like to watch those shows where people prep for shit. And I'm like, oh, I can't wait till it happens and you're so ready. I want to show where <laughs> they've got preppers and they combine it with extreme couponing. And I just want to see an extreme couponer <sighs> who is right, who is also a doomsday prepper. And then I want them somehow to, like, collaborate with the hoarders. Well, I mean, have you seen those people's... I mean, it's organized, but it's still kind of hoarding when you've got, like, 25 packages of diapers and you don't even have a baby. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah. Just saying, <laughs> just saying, just saying. But what if we don't um, have toilets in the apocalypse? I mean, I just... I feel like TLC. I feel like it's the apocalypse. You don't need a toilet. Just go wherever you want. I feel like if it's the apocalypse, you probably won't have an asshole because you're incinerated, so. Anyway, too much banter. <laughs> too much banter. Um, I'm sorry. I'll be quiet the last now. Place, the last place he goes in the United States is uh, in Tennessee, where he visits McCamey Manor, which is the scariest horror house in the world, which we talked about in our haunted house episode, I believe. Yep. Yes. Um, another episode is Southeast Asia. He goes to... Phon Phen, Cambodia. I think I saw you say it. Um, he goes to a shooting range that's backed by the Cambodian army um, and gets his hands on some very heavy artillery. And um, he goes to a place where apparently, um, like, in seedy locations, if you, like, ask the right questions, you could shoot, like, a live cow. And um, some people even talk about in that location that like even seedier places you can shoot like a person what like like hostile no yeah fuck that shit fuck that Uh, shit then he goes to is it myanmar or myanmar 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 uh he visits the brand new capital city which i won't even try to pronounce because it's a lot of letters oh come on give us a try give us the old college try Naipyidaw? Naipyidaw. All right. N-A-Y-P-Y-I-D-A-W. N-A-Y-P-Y what? D-A-W. D-A-W. Naipyidaw? Naipyidaw? Anyway. Napalm in the morning? It's a capital city that is literally like a ghost town. And there's like one of their claims to fame, which I thought was fucking hilarious, is that... um the like main road into like the downtown area is like 17 lanes wide or something like that or something huge like maybe 12 lanes and there's like a not a car on it Mm, no i don't like that it's wild it is like end of the world creepy shit yeah i was gonna say that's enough to make me a doomsday (laughs) prepper right there like i don't like that at all yeah uh, then he goes to Indonesia where he uh, sees um, like the funeral rite being performed. Oh, yeah. Which they, they have a body preserved for like two years and then they like do the whole funeral ceremony and everything. And it, it looks like beautiful what everyone is, is doing and honoring death like that. But still like Damn. it's definitely a dark tourist thing to do which sounds weird because it is technically a funeral so i don't know different different i mean obviously from looking at the show different um groups of people have different like thoughts about death i'm just trying to say yeah they have different cultures they have different customs and I think when I was uh, researching everything for this episode, looking at different dark tourist locations and everything, um, apparently in Indonesia and Indonesia, Indonesia, um, and a couple of other places where they do these big funeral kind of celebrations, um, it's become like a, a thing that like people sell tickets for, which is weird. Yeah, it's all fucked up. Yeah, the like when they hear like something's like one like one of these ceremonies is about to happen, they'll like sell tickets for it for like tourists to see it. And I was like, oh, that's a little awkward. The only explanation I can think of is that maybe they had so many tourists encroaching 
that yeah. like and they it, needed a way to like regulate it yeah and that they were like and okay buy tickets and also if the money went to exactly people that needed it yep yeah like the family yeah but that's wishful thinking i don't know if that's what yeah. goes on yeah this is definitely our disneyland take on it but that's okay yeah oh i'll get to there, there's other places where they equate it to disneyland which mm, i'll get to it i think a, i know a little bit i think i know it's that abandoned theme park in like china is it no but oh thank god don't worry i'll get to it that place creeps so me another out. africa uh, another episode is africa um and he goes to um benin i think is it um to learn more about voodoo and actually go undergoes a voodoo discipline right um then he goes to johannesburg and investigates the alexandra township um it's supposed to be one of the most dangerous townships in the area and there's like segway tours through it weird i but all right i don't we know what happened to segway like i don't think that's the main i don't think that's the main uh problem with it but all right i'm not saying it's the main problem i'm saying it could contribute yeah like why not get Uh, a nice bird scooter (laughs) then he goes to orania i think is orania and uh meets a group of nationalists um before moving further north and meeting with sudlander survivalists which is like more doomsday preppers okay um another episode is called the stands where he goes to uh turkmenistan kazakhstan and oh the other one i don't have the name of um but he goes with another dark tourist andy and they visit the city of uh kurchatov where they learn about the primary testing site for the soviet union's nuclear weaponry i'm having trouble speaking today um then he goes to Bankanor, and that's a closed city and the home to the Soviet space program. Ooh. Yeah. That's kind of He sees cool. like a rocket launch, which is really, really cool. Ooh, I do like that. And then he goes to Turkmenistan and the capital Ashgabat, where he sees the um, personality of the president, which I can't pronounce, okay. um, before attempting and failing to see the gates of hell. Aww. That is that episode, The Stands, is probably my favorite episode of the show because, uh, I mean, I had never heard of Turkmenistan. I think I've heard of Kazakhstan before. Yeah. But um, when he goes to these places, they, they are otherworldly. Very fascinating. If anyone has ever been to one of the stands, I need to hear all about it because it looks bonkers one of the stands one of the stands we stand the stands <laughs> um no but that does and uh, they also it sounds like packed a lot into that one episode like there's just a lot going on there is a lot happening yeah that's that's what's also <laughs> extremely impressive because sometimes when you get that much content it can be kind of an overload yes. and just the fact that he seems to do this so effectively is really impressive and uh especially in that episode there is a uh surprise emergency that arises that um nobody could have guessed (laughs) so yeah watch that episode especially okay uh and then the last one is uh europe and he goes to a place that's just outside maidstone and takes part in the world's largest world war ii reenactment then he goes to little dean england um, to go to a controversial museum that includes an exhibit dedicated to Fred and Rose West, who we'll talk about, very famous serial killers from the UK, um, as well as a Nazi-era lampshade made from human skin. Um, as a result of going to the museum and meeting the owner, he gets a call from Britain's most violent prisoner, Charles Bronson. And then... Last but not least, he goes to Cyprus, where he tries to sneak into Famagusta, which is a walled-off ghost city. Okay, I need to take a minute. This is all very interesting. I also, I I feel like I need to come clean to you, and I, for the past, like, ten seconds, have been picturing Action Bronson. 
instead of Charles Bronson, and there's a big difference for those who don't know. I do watch too much Vice. Um, yeah. This is this is becoming a kind of a I need help wake up call. Um, Charles Bronson's a spooky dude. Yeah, that's why I was like, oh, Charles Bronson, and then it occurred to me that I was thinking of the man with oh Charles Bronson. <laughs> So yeah. yeah, so yeah, the that the pregnant pause that was all happening in that ten seconds. Proud of you. Proud of me too. <laughs> um, so that's where he goes in the show. Um, I looked up to see if there's any um announcements about a season two because this came out in July 2018. So it's about time for a fucking season two, right? Yeah, I'd say so. so. Yeah, this ain't England. I saw- as far as my research has shown, um, Netflix has not officially ordered a second season. Hmm. Um, but when asked early on if he'd like to do a second season, Ferrier told Metro US, quote, I guess it's all down to the Netflix algorithm and how the show is received. I would love to go to more places. In researching all of the season, we have a full Google Doc of places to go and stories to tell. We only had a certain number of episodes to fill and we filled them all up. So there's certainly more to tell and more to do. So we'll see how this season does and take it from there, end quote. And an article from Cinemaholic from May of last year speculated that a second season might be uh, put out in the later half of 2020. Um, There's been times where I know Netflix has like slept on something and like not announced it until just a couple weeks before it premieres. Yeah. Um, Which I prefer because... I don't want to hear about something and then find out it's not coming out for like three years because fuck that. And then I'll forget about it. The Selena series. So if series. you tell me, <laughs> yeah, right. Mm-hmm. If you tell me like two weeks before it's going to come out, fantastic. I'll remember to watch it and I'll be excited for it. So if it is coming out in the later half of 2020, we will surely do an update at that point. But in the meantime, speculating on some other places that he could possibly go. Now there's the obvious ones. There's Auschwitz, obviously. Um, that, I think, has transcended uh, dark tourism. It's just, a, like, if you're in Poland, you're probably going to go see Auschwitz, I would assume. Yeah. Because it, the historical value of that place is unmatched by a lot of other places you could go. Right. Um, also, he went to a lot of... Um, or he saw a lot of um what's it called uh radioactive places i Ooh. i don't think i talked about he went to um chernobyl uh, no oh. <laughs> he could go to chernobyl but uh i think he went to uh hiroshima ooh maybe ooh that's pretty cool nagasaki yeah so i know he did a um radioactive tour which I you could not pay me to do because fuck that. Well, do you wear protective um, gear? It, they barely had protective gear. All right, yeah, no then. Never mind. If I had like the suits that they wore in Stranger Things season 3, spoiler alert. Um, except not really cuz it's been out for like 6 months plus. Um, I would do it, but you need a hella suit. You need like you yeah, need the most yeah. suit. Um, he went to a town that was like near the Fukushima nuclear disaster site. Okay, and um, there was high levels of radiation. Mm-hmm. Understandably, and that that could like fuck you up if you ever want to have kids or like oh. a certain type of cancers can come of it. So no, I would not want to do any type of radioactive yeah. tourism. We won't send you. Um, we'll send me. I'm dispensable, and then I can come back and report on it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he then went to a hotel that was solely manned by robots, which looks fucking hilarious. That's some Black Mirror shit. I don't like that. <laughs> yes. Um, he went to like this abandoned island that it used to have like thousands of people living on it. And now nobody lives there. Uh, ha- Hashima Island? Hashima Island? Um, and then he went to, um, another very well-known dark tourist site, which is the suicide forest Yeah, at the base of Mount Fuji. Oof. Yeah. That's, that's a rough that's one. That's a tough one. Fuck you, Logan Paul. Anyway. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, I don't suspect that he would go to Chernobyl or, may, I mean, maybe he would go to Auschwitz. Another one that is uh, pretty popular for people who aren't even searching for like a dark tourist location would be the catacombs in Paris, where all the walls are lined with the skulls and bones and everything. I want to go. Let's go to Paris. <laughs> Let's take a yeah. honeymoon. Elliot can stay home. You and I can go to the catacombs. Exactly. Best honeymoon ever. I would definitely do that. All right. We're doing it. Um, then there's like other cool places, like a place that I specifically want to go, the Lizzie Borden house oh, in Massachusetts. Yes. In Falls River, I want to say it's in. Fall River. Fall River. Yes. Uh, it's actually bed and breakfast now. So fucking perfect. Uh, we could do that. We could go in the fall, Fall River in the fall, take a little jaunt over to Salem. We could <sighs> do it up. I know a bunch of witch shops that we can go to because I know That's some perfect. girl who knows a lot of people who own small businesses in Salem and like 20 million of them are witch shops. But Of course. Oh, and there's so much yeah. murder there too. I know. Oh. We're planning our, our very own uh, dark tourist um, tour of Los Angeles crime locations. We are. Um, so we will get into that <laughs> when it gets closer. I'm excited. But... Um, there's also just memorials and museums that we've talked about on this podcast that could be considered dark tourist locations almost like the Selena Memorial yeah. in uh, Corpus Christi, Texas. Um, there's a bunch of other places, um, that I don't know if he would go on the show, but are definitely things, um, if you're going to a new location, um, and you're into true crime stuff, obviously, cause you're listening to this podcast. Maybe do a quick search and see what spooky stuff you could find. Like there, there was ghost tours in Savannah when I visited. Um, there's like the Visalia Axe Murder House, which is super interesting. Ooh, I do like um, the Visalia Axe Murders. They're interesting. I know yeah. I just reiterated what you said, but <laughs> I promise that wasn't on purpose. Um, there's also a bunch of different creepy, like abandoned mental hospitals, prisons, <gasps> amusement parks, churches. I cannot, uh, in good conscience, say go to any of these places alone with um, no supervision. Do not cross any signs that say no trespassing, obviously. Like, yeah. you want to be respectful. And safe. But there are a lot of places that have tours of these yeah. places. So definitely take advantage of that. Um, and also, obviously, flip through Weird New Jersey or we're in New York, find a cool location like we will be doing when you come and visit me. When I return. Yes. To your lovely There's arms. also haunted locations. Ooh. There's um, the Island of the Dolls in Mexico. Um, you can see the boys from BuzzFeed Unsolved went there in one of their episodes. Yep. So definitely check that out. There's the Queen Mary, which BuzzFeed Unsolved also featured on their show. There's the Riddle House in Florida, Leap Castle in Ireland, and the uh, Banff Springs Hotel in Canada, which is supposedly the most haunted location in the country. So you can check out those. But now getting into like a couple places that are a little more detailed. So a place that I think would definitely be on the top of the list for a season two would be the Volcano Creeks in Pompeii, Italy. And if you don't know what happened there, um, in southern Italy in 79 AD, the volcano Vesuvius erupted and the whole ancient city of Pompeii was destroyed. Yep. And uh, something that people would be interested in seeing is that the lava completely petrified the entire city mm -hmm. and uh, Pompeii was uncovered by archaeologists and the ruins, including fossilized bodies, mm -hmm. can be visited and observed there today. Yeah, not as uh, fun as Bastille makes it sound. No. <laughs> and uh, I actually saw uh, somebody on my Facebook went there in the past week because I saw pictures of Pompeii. And I was like, Ooh. oh, well, I'm going to be talking about that on the podcast. Yeah, I want to go. Yeah. Um, another interesting one is the uh, Kumsusan Memorial Palace of the Sun, which is in North Korea. Mm. Uh it is also referred to as the Kim Il-sung Mausoleum. Um, 
and it's now the posthumous home of one of the most infamous political figures in the world. It is the official residence of Kim Il-sung until it was transformed into a mausoleum after his death in 1994, and it's believed that the cost of the conversion was at least 100 million United States dollars. And foreign tourists are given access to the palace only on Thursdays and Sundays. Mm? Don't come any other day. Okay. And you must come with a government-provided tour guide. Ew. Yeah. That's so a lot. So if you're already going to make the jump to go to North Korea, uh, try get a tour guide to go there. I think I'm... Seems interesting. Can Dennis Rodman be my tour guide? Sure, why not? All right. I'm going to do it. I got some questions about the spot. I got some questions for him personally. Let's get shaken. Yeah. Um, another place I found during my research that I'd never heard of before was uh, Bikini Atoll. And it's in the Marshall Islands. And it is an archipelago in the Pacific, which belongs to the Marshall Islands. And after World War II, uh, the U.S. made nuclear weapon tests in the area. And the people had to leave, the people who lived there had to leave and were relocated to uninhabited islands, um, assuming that one day they could return. However, the U.S. made the test so blatant that the island was completely contaminated and the inhabitants could never return. Um, In front of the islands, there are two wrecks of Japanese warships and you can actually go diving there and go see the wrecks. Let's do that. Yeah, that sounds really fun. We're going on like a major vacation. Yeah, we're going everywhere all around the world yeah uh this one's a super bummer it's the murumbai genocide memorial in rwanda oh god yeah and i mean obviously there's no way that you can compare mass murders and and genocide across history because they're all fucking horrible um but this memorial is probably what i would consider one of the hardest to get through um, I would personally not want to visit it because I feel like I'd just cry the entire time. Yeah, no. Um, so it sits on top of a picturesque green hill in the rolling countryside on a site of an unfinished technical college. And it was in this place, like in this area during a 100 day period from April 1994 to mid July 1994. An estimated 500,000 to 1 million uh, Tutsi and moderate Hutu Rwandans. Mm. Uh, This is like 20% of the country's entire population. Um, They were all killed. Yep. And I think it actually, based on bodies per... Because it wasn't as long as the Holocaust. Um, I believe this happened... It was from April to July. Like, yeah, it was, it was like a 90-day period. It was 100 period. days. Yeah. Yeah. And the Holocaust was obviously like six years. Years. Um, yeah, yeah. But apparently, if you go by body count per day, more people died during the Tunsi genocide than the Holocaust. Yeah. And it's wild to think... This is in 1994. This is in our lifetime. Yep. We were alive for this happening. Yeah, I was born right before right after and it started uh it's one of the most remarkable atrocities of genocide and um they used a massive and pervasive uh war rape and violence against women (sighs) and it suggested about half a million women were raped sexually Mm -hmm. mutilated and murdered during the genocide Mm -hmm. fucking horrible yeah um uniquely and horrifically the corpses of some 800 victims were exhumed, preserved in lime, and put on display rather than being reburied, Ugh. and they remain there to this day. Honestly, it sounds awful, but at the same time, you know what? Good. Like, Important. stand there and look at what you did. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because everybody um, was complicit, in my opinion. Like, if nobody stepped yeah. in, that makes you complicit. Yeah. And uh, there's actually a a bunch of genocide memorials in rwanda but this is the one that kind of struck me the most so this is the one i wanted to talk about obviously uh i don't know about you but i watched hotel rwanda in high school nope obviously in they they didn't make you watch it didn't make us watch it and i love don Cheadle, but wasn't gonna make myself do that because i was i like it's just, it's very tough. Like, and like the Holocaust was the same way. I've seen Schindler's List once. I had to see it for a class. I will never watch yeah. it again. 
Yeah, I don't know about like I don't know if I could cover the Rwandan genocide or the Holocaust on this podcast because like it's damn it's so much. It's the worst yeah. bummer. It would be the number one bummer episode we've ever done. It, and we've done murders of children. I was going to yes. say, as Stefan would say, it has everything. Like we were talking yeah. in the beginning of this podcast about like, at least what I can't handle, what you can't handle. It's got everything. It's got kids. It's got people with special needs. Both of them. It's got animals. Uh-huh. It's got rape. It's got murder. Like it's got too yeah. much. And I just, I, and it's not that I want to forget it. It's that as an, I think as empathetic people, it's harder to understand just the sheer evil size of it. Yes. As opposed to you can immediately put yourself in the place of those people who were being murdered and tortured. Yeah. And jumping off of that um obviously like if they're going to cover something about a genocide they'll probably cover auschwitz on the show i would suggest that it would take its own episode (laughs) rather than yeah uh doing a bunch of different ones yeah um but anyone who doesn't know which i don't know why you wouldn't but auschwitz was the largest german nazi concentration camp um ever built yeah and it's a global symbol of terror and genocide and it saw more than 1.1 million men women and children lose their lives mm-hmm. um as well as a heart-rending testament to the evil humans can inflict upon each other it also acts as a vital reminder and tool of education to try and prevent such atrocities from happening again The museum itself explains, quote, there's no way to understand post-war Europe and the world without an in-depth confrontation between our idea of mankind and the remains of Auschwitz, end quote. Which some people, that's a perfect kind of uh, synopsis of why somebody would want to do something like dark tourism. Yeah. Because it's not like somebody's just going there for like some weird gratification. Uh, it's going to a place to learn about it and try to understand it. I think that's the biggest uh, draw to this is something that is so incomprehensible that you try to make sense of it. Yeah. And I don't know I, if I ever got the chance, I think I would, I would uh, try to visit Auschwitz because I have no people that have gone there and say it is life-changing and crazy and everything. Yeah. And and then there are this weird subsect of people. I know you have not run into them because you are not on the dating apps, but I have some friends are. Honey, that don't and mean I've never run into them. <laughs> my My one friend will send me screenshots of, I'm sorry, but it's guys, a lot of guys, um take their tinder profile pictures at ashwitz oh yeah and you'd think this is like an anomaly like oh it only happened once no it's been like three to five times yeah that's that's not something weird i have nor do i want to experience feel like that's i just i don't understand the logic yeah. behind it and no. also <sighs> yeah Damn. um anyway back to the, sh- the show i think if they were to cover um basically just the holocaust on an episode how i would structure the episode would be auschwitz the anne frank house and then the um holocaust memorial museum which is in washington dc There's one troubling note about this museum. So apparently um, you can visit the the museum and you get a little ID card and it matches the age and gender of you with the name and photo of a real Holocaust victim. Right. And um, against the backdrop of video interpretation portraying killing squads in action, the pseudo Holocaust victim, which would be you enters your personal ID into the monitor. And as you walk through the museum, um, you discover how your 
counterpart, who would be the person you matched with as a Holocaust victim, would be faring. Yep. That seems a little... Like, I understand uh, why it was created. Uh, it's easier to put yourself in the shoes of one person rather than an entire group of people. So it's trying to connect you with it on a personal level, saying, okay, this is a person around your age, your gender, blah, 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 um, that was going through this, and this is what they had to endure. And imagine you at your age and gender and everything going through that. I can understand that, but it doesn't make it less troubling for me. See, I can understand how it would be troubling. I think that is the point. But like how we were talking earlier about being able to put yourself in that place and being empathetic, not a lot of people, or I shouldn't say that, some people, not necessarily not a lot, but there are people out there who can't necessarily do that. Like... I can understand. They just don't have empathy. I'm not saying they don't have empathy. I'm saying they just may not be able to put themselves in that place, like yeah. and understand the gravity of the situation, and like without making it personal. Without making it personal, exactly. I, yeah. I truly like. There are people out there who are like that. Um, maybe if Justin Bieber had gone through that whole thing, he wouldn't have written in the Anne Frank House guest book that he liked to think that she would have been a believer. So that's just an example of somebody who may not be able to understand the gravity of a situation. Re- <laughs> yeah, in touch with reality. reality. Um, uh. Uh, have fun, Haley. Um, mm. But yeah, it's I, I, I truly part of me is actually interested in doing that aspect because of the whole historical part. But at the same time, I think that it would it's it's emotionally like just i can't think of the word it's just draining i can completely understand like if you would not want to do something like that because it is so hurtful but at the same time i can see for example teachers taking their students who are learning about the holocaust for the first time because they've somehow escaped it their entire lives i don't know um yeah i guess like when i first read it that kind of struck me as like ooh, that seems that seems a little too like um a ride to me yeah but like i guess like talking through it now is like okay it makes more sense but like i remember first reading and i was like ooh, yeah they're not like they're not like trying to make money off these people for example off the victims yeah i mean they're just trying to raise awareness yeah that makes sense it's like how you give money to any given charity and it's you've got an elephant you've adopted now or like a a child in cambodia yeah. or something it like just that. makes it personal it makes it personal yeah yeah they're real they're right. living this is the same way yeah um another place that kept popping up when i was researching dark tourism was ground zero in new york city um mm. and obviously we have a whole episode about yep. 9-11 and all that um so this uh site ground zero is a tribute in remembrance and um to honor the 2977 people who were killed in the terror attacks of september 11 2001 and the six people who were killed in the world trade center bombing of february 1993 um if you've never seen it the two twin huge reflecting pools uh sit within the exact footprint of where the twin towers once stood and around it bears the name of every single victim etched into the bronze panels um it's a somber but powerful reminder of the largest loss of life uh from a foreign attack on american soil Mm -hmm. but but it also has a gift shop yeah that's the troubling one i i find see again these things are troubling <laughs> i do understand but at the same time it that may be i don't know if you just heard michael just screamed this is not the time um <laughs> um he just found out that they're selling that they're selling trinkets at the 911 gift shop um yep. i like they need to however make the money to it's not like they're a national park they need to yeah, make like the, the money and everything. Yeah, right, to yeah. 
keep it running. When you put it that way. Yeah. Yeah. That I can understand. It's like how we were saying about the um, tickets that they were selling. Yeah. um, The the funeral, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It's icky, but at the same time, and I feel like that if can be more justified right exactly and i'm and i yeah. actually wonder if i can I, i'll look it up i feel like the proceeds do go to like the 9-11 foundation or something i feel like yeah, it's not should. or like towards paying like the tour guides and the employees and things like yeah. that but yeah i will look that up while uh, you continue to talk if you're still keeping score i still have not gone to the museum because i just don't have it in me yeah no i don't blame you I, I don't <laughs> yeah. blame you. Um, the last place I have, which is another obvious one, um, is Alcatraz in San Francisco. Uh, also known as The Rock, not Dwayne The Rock. This is the original rock. Uh, it's become a cultural icon and a place uh, remembered by Hollywood in music and folklore and tons of tourists have gone um it's actually san francisco's most popular tourist destination wow Um, not the full house house no i'm and i'm Um, being completely serious because it seems like every time somebody i know goes to like san francisco they have taken a picture of the full house house the full house 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 and also the golden gate bridge and alcatraz is still number one damn that's impressive i gotta say that's impressive uh, if you are one of our international listeners and are not familiar with Alcatraz, it's a former, not- uh, very notorious maximum security federal penitentiary, and it was home um, over its 29 years to everyone from Al Capone mm-hmm. to Machine Gun Kelly. Um, and many of its cells remain much as they were when the prison was still functioning. Um, and it kind of offers a glimpse of the hardships um of the prisoners that had to live there. Mm -hmm. Um, Many said that the worst thing about being incarcerated there, like actual prisoners said that um, the worst thing was being able to see the mainland and just people going about their everyday lives. Um, And it was actually something that many of the prisoners would never be able to do again. Um, And they described it as the worst torture that they could endure. Right. Understandably. Um, But here's a problematic part of it. So journalist Chris Hedges describes um, the Alcatraz narrative as presented by the National Park Service. Like he has this whole theory on it mm-hmm. um, and says that it's whitewashing because it, quote, ignores the savagery and injustice of America's system of mass incarceration. End quote. Yes, that's crazy that the top tourist destination in one of the most expensive cities in the United States is a maximum security prison. And now people just go there for funsies. Okay. Um, and he says that by omitted, omitting challenging details, the Park Service furthers the quote-unquote Disneyfication of the site. Mm. So that's my Disneyland tie-in. Yep. So it's essentially a theme park now. Alcatraz. Yeah. Yeah. So I think this is beyond even the realm of dark tourism. It's just regular tourism now at this point. Um. Elliot just whispered in the background. I don't know if anyone heard it. I didn't hear it. <laughs> he said, oh my fucking God. Anyway. I mean, um, uh, oh no, we're going to have to put an explicit tag on this episode. <laughs> Whatever shall we do? Um, The very last place that I will mention that I don't have a lot of details on is the wreck of the Titanic. I actually Ooh. have a close family friend that worked um, at, M- is it NBC? Remember when Matt Lauer used to go all those places? Yeah, Today Show. Matt Lauer, he touched a bunch of women. Let's go. Yeah. Um, Before all of that was found out, um, a close family friend worked on that show as uh, one of the camera guys, Mm. and he got to go to almost all the places that he went. And one of them was The Wreck of the Titanic. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I think that that's like a big bucket list dark tourist location that like not a lot of people will ever make it to but like that that would be like the golden pillar yeah i would love to go there i want to go and i want to find that fucking sapphire necklace it fake it not don't you remember Um, britney got it i was gonna say britney got it (laughs) 
She was given it on Mars. So, I mean. If you don't understand that reference, you're too Too young young to be listening to this. (laughs) Yes. Or too old, depending. Or too sheltered. No, no one's ever too old. All right. That's something from somebody who's pushing 30. You had to bring it up at the fucking end of the show. The podcast is canceled. This is our last episode. Haley is never speaking to me again. Fuck you, man. (laughs) Anyway, that is actually the end of the episode. I've talked enough and stumbled over too many words today. Perfect timing, though. And now I must slumber. Yeah, you're going to be a sleepy girl. It's late there. It's not too late here, but it's about an hour and a half past dumpling time, so I'm ready. All right. Yeah. Are you guys well, ready? That was that. Are you guys ready? Are you ready for this to be done? Uh, we plugged it all the way at the top, so this is weird, but you can go to the, um, you can join our Patreon. Mm-hmm. Um, you can go to any of our social media. We're on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. You can go to our website, which is crimeculturepodcast.tumblr.com and find links to all of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can send us, well, I don't know if you send us, but you like post a video of yourself dancing to the theme song on, in, on your Instagram story and tag us and we will re, um, uh, repost it on our story so go and do that because as we said at the top our theme song is the best theme song in podcasting yeah i mean we we didn't say it they all did everybody else did you did i did the people said it and you're about to hear it again because we're saying goodbye and see you next yes bye bye